everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. It is time for week seven. We can wait no longer. We have NFL games to get back to this weekend, and here to break them all down for us, of course, as always, the Oracle himself, Matt Friedman, joins me, and today, helping us break down the entire week seven slate, or at least our favorite games of it, none other than Ben Solak of The Ringer. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm well. appreciate you having me, fellas. We appreciate you uh, you coming on as well and sharing some time and knowledge with us here because we have some great games to get to. This is a really interesting slate, in my opinion, because there are so many games. It doesn't feel as yucky as last week's slate did, where you were kind of holding your nose to make some of these bets, like Panthers plus 10.5, etc. But here, we've got some decent spreads. We've got some pretty evenly matched games, too, to talk about. And we're going to start that off with you, Matt. The Ravens are six and a half point favorites versus the Browns in this divisional matchup here. And that number still six and a half here. It was six. It's been floating around in that six, six and a half range. Hasn't gone to seven all week. But are you going with the Browns or are you taking the Ravens and laying the points at home? Very much on the Ravens uh, at this point. Kevin Stefanski is two and 11 against the spread in division. I mean, Horrible against people who know him. Uh, and then specifically against John Harbaugh, 0-4 against the spread uh, for Kevin Stefanski. So the historical trends don't look good for him there. And, I mean, really, it, it comes down, for me, this Ravens rush offense against the Browns run defense. The, uh, the Ravens have a top three run offense in rush EPOA, uh, EPOA, rush DVOA, and the Browns are bottom three in both of those metrics. And in our fantasy pros, you know, power rankings, the Ravens, especially now that they have left tackle Ronnie Stanley healthy, they have a, the eighth best offensive line. And we have the Browns with the eighth worst defensive line. Number one running back JK Dobbins is uncertain, but I really don't think that matters all that much. Like backup uh, running back Kenyon Drake looked pretty good last week. Uh, they have Justice Hill returning. Uh, so I think they will be fine in the backfield. And then of course, like Lamar Jackson is the ultimate cheat code as the running quarterback. Uh, so the Ravens bad against the run. I mean, sorry, the Browns bad against the run anyway. Uh, and then, you know, they're significantly injured on that side of the ball too. Uh, no Chase Winowich, uh, Stephen Weatherly, no Anthony Walker, Jadavian Clowney might be out. Uh, Deion Jones, he might be able to return for this game, but maybe not. And if he does, it's still his first game within a new, yeah. a new defense. So uh, I don't think it looks good for them. And if a home team can control the clock with the ground game, it has the ability to pile on the points. So I think that's what the Ravens are going to do. I'm completely with you on this one. But Ben, what do you think here? Any dissension from Matt's take? No, I like Ravens. I'm worried about Mark Andrews not practicing. He missed the second straight practice this week. And I yeah. think the Ravens are already a really fragile build in terms of weapons generally. No J.K. Dobbins probably this week. And then no Andrews. It, and without Rashad Bateman, it's like, okay. This is just a very bad offense in terms of the non-Lamar pieces. But the proof of the pudding's in the E with the running game. And yeah, the Browns' rush defense is not just the worst in the league, but EPA per play, it's twice as bad as the 30th defense. So it's like multiple standard deviations worse than your average run defense in the league. And so it, the, the Ravens' scheme should make this happen. And you also like, I think, the Ravens. If you like the Ravens, you like them on the line now because they tend to be really good through the first three quarters and then give things away late. If you like the Browns, wait, the Ravens are going to get a lead and then just hit it live. And then you can kind of catch a better number when the Ravens inevitably uh, uh, failed her in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, and I'm a little bit hopeful that Rashad Bateman will play in this game because he did practice on a limited basis on Wednesday. So better than the DNPs that we had last week. So, you know, continue continue to monitor him throughout the week because at least if Mark Andrews is out, if Bateman is in, that helps at least, you know, kind of calm the nerves. Yeah, I'm hopeful for Bateman to play as well. I think he will. If he's already practicing, I think they're going to, you know, nudge him a little bit and say, hey, can you give it a go, especially if Mark's banged up? This could be a really big game for him if he comes back for it. But another really big game on the docket this week, the Jets and the Broncos here. And guys, I cannot believe it. Four and two are the New York Jets right now. If they win this game, I'm officially on the bandwagon of this team can make the playoffs. You look at that second half schedule. All they need to do is pick off one of the next three because they got the Broncos, then the Patriots, and then the Bills. If they can pick this game off, you can go into your bye week at five and three, go come back out on the other side with an easy second half schedule. The Bills are the only team with a winning record on it, I think, right now. But this is also the spot. Now people are starting to say the same thing, and this is where the Jets like to drink the Kool-Aid and then come out with just an absolutely abysmal performance against the team that they should be beating. And I feel like that's the Broncos right now. This game opened two and a half or three, depending on your shot. But then Monday night happened, and the Broncos have been bet all the way down to just a one-point favorite right now. Ben, where are you going in this one? Is it Broncos country? Let's ride. No, it never has been and never will be. Uh, No, we... uh... Uh, I like the Jets in this one. I liked them at two. I still like them at one. I think that this is, I make this be about a pick them, especially with the uncertainty of quarterback, which I jokingly said in the pre-show. I definitely like it if Russ is playing. I'm not sure I like it if the backup's playing, but it's a little bit true. Uh, if, if Brett Rippon plays this game, because Russ is questionable coming in, there's a chance that this offense looks better because Russ has been the major limiting factor in this offense. There's no choice about that. There's, there's other problems, but Russ, is, if you're ranking the factors, Russ has been number one. And so you do, you know, like, you're like, all right, I get to fade a backup quarterback. Uh, maybe not. Like, it's a weird situation for Denver. But what the Jets do that I like is they run the football extremely well. Uh, they, they've had a carousel on the offensive line, yet still somehow scrape together a good unit. They're third in rush EPA per play over the last three weeks. Reese Hall looks like all that in a bag of chips. And they have this two running back set with my partner that works really well for them. It's tough to defend because you have multiple guys who can take a handoff, who can go in jet motion. They're on the reverses. They're on the gadget plays. It's it's a nice little offense that Michael Floor has going. And then they have the weapons to win the passing game if they need to. They haven't really used Zach Wilson in the last couple of weeks, and that's probably better for where Zach is in his development. But they have Garrett Wilson, and they have Elijah Moore, assuming he's happy and wants to play football. They have Corey Davis. They can win on their one-on-one. So this offense has a formula that works that I, I tend to trust – enough getting points against a Denver team that to me isn't going to score more than like 16, 17 Denver defense, really, really, really good. So if you're missing, Oh, there it is. If you're missing this game, you're missing it. on I think like defensive stops on turnovers on short fields for the Broncos, because this jets defensive line is going to wreak some havoc no matter who's playing quarterback back there. So I like it a plus money. It's a weird one though. So if you want to stay away, I don't blame you. I'm finally in. I I bet them last week against the Packers because that was more so a take on the Packers. Just the Packers has been fun last couple weeks. Got money line winners on seven point lines, baby. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you can't keep giving that to us. I'm going to keep taking it. But now this one, this is that spot where I'm like, oh, they're going to come out and break my heart now. But no, I'm believing. I'm ready to get hurt again by this team. Matt, what about you? Are you riding with the Jets or are you going with Russell Wilson and the Broncos? Uh, I mean, sadly, very sadly, I bet the Broncos on the look ahead and oh, no. now i hate myself i just absolutely hate myself i and for like and now i saw that that commercial the second commercial with the danger witch and i yeah. just can't 
I, I, for the rest of the year, I am not betting on Russell Wilson. I'm just, I'm totally done. And I might flip where I just start betting against him, uh, depending on, on the setup. But uh, this defense with the Jets, I'm really impressed with them. Uh, you know, I think they've got two really good cover corners. Sauce Gardner has looked as good awesome, as we've seen any awesome. quarterback, like, like shades of like Marshawn Lattimore's rookie season. And honestly, maybe even better than that. Like he has been amazing. Uh, so I'm impressed with the defense and it's been said like that running game has really gotten going for the, the jets whose offensive line woes, uh, they've managed to bandage up, uh, pretty nicely. So for me, if I hadn't bet, it would probably be a stay away. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm very much not on the Broncos at this point. I, you know, talking about that offensive line real quick, Elijah Vera Tucker, is having one of the best seasons that we've seen yeah. out of a lineman in a long time. Like that, they have moved that guy for as much of the injury woes as Makai Becton has had. They've been able to move Vera Tucker, both guard spots now playing right tackle. He's playing everywhere on this line. It's insane. It's like Larry Allen, like back in the day with the Cowboys, which I, of course I'm going to you know bring it back to the Cowboys, the nineties Cowboys with an offensive line. But like, I mean, Larry Allen was like the dude who could play all over that offensive line and like Elijah Vera Tucker, like it feels like he's got that capability. Like I know he's in theory a guard, but he, I think he actually has some like real tackle potential. Well, the Jets need all the help that they can get right now as the line still gets healthy. And by the way, the Danger Witch commercial, have you seen the video of it where someone put Russ and his audio over the Joker in the scene where he crashes the party in the Dark Knight? It no. fits way too perfectly. I think I have. I can't remember. It's really unsettling because you're like, oh, this this fits. Like he could have been the Joker in this movie easily. That's sad. But hey, you know, good news for the Broncos. At least it's not like you're tied up to a massive contract and blew a tremendous amount of draft capital to bring him in. So you're you're able to move on without much pain there. As we move on to the next game on the slate here. Speaking of your Cowboys, Matt, the Lions come to town and this poor Lions team, man, they can't catch a break. They're one of the best offenses in football right now. The defense is terrible. They're getting seven here versus the Cowboys, and they still have a tremendously awful record. Yeah, I mean, Tom, you know, it was the bane of my existence last year to bet against my Cowboys. Uh, to, like, I wouldn't be able to celebrate them winning because I would just be losing money as it was happening. But I'm I'm going back to it. I'm, I'm betting against the Cowboys in this spot, and it's – I mean, I'm impressed with the Lions, uh, even though they are losing games and their defense has been absolutely horrible on offense. They've been good. And, you know, Dan Campbell, five and one against the spread versus teams with winning records at the time of the game. Uh, and, you know, just like cover cover heroes, the uh, the Lions have been in the Dan Campbell era. So I, I do like them in this spot. I do like the way they match up. I like that they're coming off of the bye, so they've had time to prepare. And I think it's, for me, this offensive line against the Cowboys defensive line. Like, okay, last year, I thought the Cowboys defense was fraudulent. They had a really unstable league-high 26 interceptions. Like, that was clearly not something that could be sustained year over year. And they allowed the 12th most yards per play. I thought that's the offense sorry, the defense that they really were. But I mean, this year they've been, <laughs> they've been legitimate, right? Like not as opportunistic, but number one in sacks, number two in quarterback hits, number three in yards per play allowed. Like they, they've got a really strong group of edge rushers, Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, 
Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler. Like Fowler has actually like he was a bust back in the day. Now he actually on this defensive line is looking really good. The Cowboys number one in adjusted sack rate. But that that Lions offensive line, if it's not the best in the league, I think it's top three. I I personally have it ranked as the number one offensive line. Like they are number one in adjusted sack rate. They are doing a phenomenal job of protecting Jared Goff to where he has actually looked like a competent quarterback once again this year. And then in terms of the running game, like they've got it. They're top five in rush EPA, rush DVOA, adjusted line yards. And the Cowboys are outside of the top 10 uh, and defensively in all of those metrics. So I think it's a, a game where the Lions are going to be able to run the ball against the Cowboys. They're going to be able to protect Jared Goff or protect him more than the typical offensive line has been able to do when facing the Cowboys. And I think that means seven points is too much. Yeah, this offense feels like they can move the football as for the Lions. It's the defense that's giving you problems. And also, Dak Prescott might be back for this, Ben. What do you think about it? Yeah, if Prescott's playing, I, I think seven is the correct line. And then Prescott said today that he's going to start. And usually yeah. when players say they're going to start, they're like, all right, that's probably true. There's a chance that's not. But the starting quarterback is all right. The thing for me is if I like Lions plus seven, which I do, I implied like the over. And it's been a weird year for overs. It's been tough. As a man who likes to bet overs, I understand. 48 and a half is one of the, the, the bigger numbers you're going to see on the lines this week. But if this game stays within seven, it's because the Lions offense is able to keep pace. We expect this defense to give up points no matter what, right? And so I, I do like Lions plus seven. I like being able to build it into the over as well and see if I can like tease down the line and get a little bit more space in that. Just because Detroit's offense can be much more volatile than it appears because of how often they go for it on fourth down. Right. So they're, they're putting out yards for play. They're putting out yards per drive that look like they're going to cover. And then it turns out they have like no points against the Patriots because they over five on fourth downs. Right. So that aggression makes them cover heroes like Matt was saying, but sometimes it can kill you. Uh, and so I, if we're expecting that Lions offense to keep it close, then I think we're looking at like a 50 plus point total. Both these teams can run it well, but they, they run it with a good pace of play and they go for explosives, they go for play action pass. So you're not going to see the time run off the clock too quickly. I like the Lions. I also like the over if you're, if you're on the Lions side. I think that makes a lot. I mean, you have a fantastic offense and an atrocious defense. That's a recipe for overs right there, especially in a game like this. Your biggest hope is that the Cowboys defense can't totally stifle the Lions and they get you at least a little bit towards that over. But I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this offense look like. looks like with Dak back because they did so many good, responsible, smart offensive team building things with Rush. We're going to do early down play action. You're going to rotate our backs. When they play Prescott, they tend to be like, go be an adult, and they don't do any of this helpful stuff, and it would be frustrating if that's the case again. Yeah, that the, the play calling definitely takes a step back there. And speaking of teams taking a step back, the Chicago Bears have taken a step back into about 1943 when it comes to the way that they play offense this season. They're going up against the Patriots this week on Monday night because we just can't get enough of these great primetime matchups here. The total in this game, Ben, is 39 and a half right now that's so astronomically low you can't really bet the under are you looking at the over i'm betting the under no i'm absolutely betting the under uh bill belichick spent about seven minutes during his press conference talking about how good the bears are which when oh, bill that's, belichick, that's a kiss of death when bill belichick does that it means you're you're going to total 80 yards it means you're going to have a horrible horrible day Bill's really good at talking positively about teams that he is confident he has a, has a beat on. And the thing about the Bears is the Bears are so 
siloed on offense. This this Belichick's better than anybody else for as long as he's been a coach and taking away what you do best. And the Bears have about two pitches, right? The Bears have our split zone, outside zone running game, and our boot action off of it. So all they got, they can't drop back. They can't run anything else, right? They have no, no variety in the running game. They have to live in that world. So yeah, Justin Fields is going to get him on a couple scrambles. You know, he's going he's to rip off a couple a couple big chunks on third downs. But he does. He's a great athlete. Other than that, like this isn't going to be like the Vikings game where the Bears walked out in the second in the second half and they were like, you know, yeah, we're run our stuff. And all of a sudden they put twenty points on the board because the Vikings just have simple defense. So Belichick takes away what you do well. And so I think the Bears are going to have a really tough time moving the ball on offense. And then when the Patriots have the ball, they're second in the league right now in terms of pace per play on, on the slow side. The Titans are the slowest in terms of seconds spent per play, and then the, the Patriots are right there. With Bailey Zappi at quarterback, they've been more under center. They've been more run-oriented. And then they go to their play-action pass. The only way they get explosives is if, it, is if it's yards after the catch. And this Matt Eberflus defense is all about play drop zone, play on top of guys, don't let guys go after the catch, hustle up, rally up, and tackle. So you're going to see the Patriots struggle to get explosives. They're going to run. They're going to eat a ton of clock. I think they're going to get on top of the Bears, and the Bears are going to struggle to score. So do I love betting a total under when it starts with a three? No. Do I see a way that either one of these teams gets over 20? No. So I'm sitting on a, on a nice prime time 13 to 16 stinker, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's a thousand percent what's about to happen in this game. You just know it because for some reason we are insistent upon putting the absolute trash of the NFL in prime time here. Matt, do you have any different dissenting opinion on that one? Uh, I, I mean, I have this projected pretty close to the total. It's slightly to the over, but like, I promise you, I'm not betting the over in this spot. I'm probably staying away from the total, but you know, what been said there, I think the number you gave was like 16 to 13. Like that does make me think like, uh, it's not that I want to bet on the bears. Right. But I do think that if you are to bet on the side, uh, eight points is a lot. In Especially a, if you're leaning under, exactly. Yeah, in a, a game with a low total and, uh, you know, backup quarterback, running-oriented teams, you know, like eight, I am on, uh, I'm on the Bears in that spot. I mean, I, it makes sense. In, in order for, I don't like laying a ton of points with a team I'm not confident in scoring, and I'm really not confident in the Patriots getting the eight points they need to cover in this game. This could end 6 nothing pretty easily here that that's the only dilemma that i'd have it's the same reason why i didn't like the packers when they were laying like the 10 and a half numbers because you just can't trust the offense so i definitely see where you're going here this is a stay away from me until monday night when i bet into the closing line like an idiot because i just want to have some reason to care about this game I'll (laughs) i'll bet the under in that one so i don't have to root for these terrible offenses but matt the giants and the jaguars speaking of terrible yeah Really, for the longest time, that's what these two teams were. And yet, all of a sudden, here we are. The Jags, yeah, they, they've slid a couple weeks now after that hot start. But the Giants, they seem legit. Five and one here. They're getting three points as they head down to Jacksonville. Are you going with Big Blue? Yeah, and I have. Big, by the way, now the official name of Matt Dable, of Brian Dable. <laughs> yeah, it's that's fair. Well earned, by the way. Uh, yeah, I have a little bit of a sickness. Uh, whenever Daniel Jones is a road underdog, I bet on him. Uh, you know, that's just yeah, that's it's, it's something. Sure. It's something that I do. He's thirteen and six against the spread on the road. Twenty one and thirteen as an underdog. Twelve and four against the spread as a road underdog. There's just like it's something about the style of play. I don't know. I haven't been able to like identify why it is that he does well in this spot, but historically he has done well 
and I like the matchup. So you're not going to need to twist my arm too much for betting into this. Uh, it's Saquon Barkley against the Jags rush defense. That's what it comes out. Like we all know what the Giants want to do in this game. They want to run the ball and they run more than they pass a 52% rush rate. You know, it's hard to do that in today's NFL, but that's what you do when you have Daniel Jones, a quarterback and Saquon as, as your running back, he leads the league with 119 carries. And I think this backfield, you know, as reliant as it is on Barkley, like it's a top three backfield because he's just playing at an elite level right now. And I think he has a significant edge over the Jags defensive line in the linebacking unit. And as mediocre as the Giants have been on offense, you know, like uh, number 18 in success rate, number 21 in yards per play. They've actually been pretty good running the ball. They're number nine in rush EPA per play uh, in their run offense. The Jags run defense has just been mediocre, number 17 uh, in, in rush EPA. So I, I see this as leaning towards the Giants and how they want to play the game. And Barkley, he has a shoulder injury, but he practiced on Wednesday. So he's playing Andrew Thomas and uh, with an elbow injury, but he practiced. He's playing same with John Feliciano. So those guys are dealing with injuries, but they're all going to play. And if we look at the quarterbacks in this game, like, okay, Daniel Jones, I just, I don't think he's that good. That said, is there really at this stage of their careers that much of a difference between Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence? Like, I know that there is, but like statistically, there's really not. Like, they are right next to each other. They're 11 and 12 in composite EPA and completion percentage over expectation. Their numbers 13 and 14 in uh, ESPN QBR. Like, they're comparable enough within the confines of what they're supposed to do within their offenses. And I don't see the Jags as having a home field advantage of three points. I think these two teams are pretty even. So I'm going with the Giants because I think Barkley is going to be able to run effectively enough to give them a good chance to cover. Ben, any thoughts here? Yeah, I, I love it if I know Foley Fatakasi isn't playing. Foley Fatakasi is the nose for the Jaguars. He is out starting at the Eagles game where I think I can cuss. And then the moment he went out, Eagles started running the football with impunity. And then they played Houston the next week. He's out. Texans are running the football. Then you get the Colts. The Colts don't count because they were playing Deion Jackson and their entire line's terrible. They had to throw the ball 58 times. But Fatakasi is the only nose they got in that front. And Mike Caldwell's the D.C. there. He came from Tampa. When they go run defense, they need a nose. They need a Vita Vea. And they didn't have it over the last few weeks. They're hoping to get Fatakasi back for this game. I'm not sure they do. If they don't, I love the spot for Barkley's rushing totals. I like the spot for the Giants because that's that's the one matchup they have against the Jags. It's a weird line because you have a 5-1 team against a 2-4 and four team, and the 2-4 and four team is favored. DVOA had a great uh, line where, where the Giants have been trailing more in terms of game clock than any team with a winning record. And the Jaguars have been winning more in terms of game clock than any team with a losing record. So it's a topsy-turvy, upside-down sort of a game. Um, but if there's no fun of Kasi, I do like that giant side in terms of the rushing totals. Overall, though, I, I took Daniel Jones rushing yards when it opened. I took it big, and I, and I expected to, to hit it 34 and a half. Uh, Jones always runs, but he especially runs when you get man coverage, and he especially runs when you get blitz. That's what these Jaguars want to do. They're above average in blitz rate, but they're heavy in man coverage rate. Uh, and when you get that sort of a look, it gives the quarterback lanes to escape and get upfield. And so I like the I like the running offense for the, the Giants in this game a lot. I wouldn't feel I don't feel too strongly about Giants plus three, but if there's no Fatakasi, I think it's the right side. Demetrius Harvey on Twitter, he's a reporter, uh, Jags yeah. reporter for Jax.com. He says head coach Doug Peterson says that uh, Foley Fatakasi day to day in quotes, but he'll be at practice today, which was yesterday, and he was. Hopeful yep. to have him back this week. And also here, an interesting stat. 
Jags winning percentage when Fadakasi plays a whole game, 0.667. His winning percentage when their winning percentage when he doesn't, zero. Yeah. So I imagine he actually plays in this game because he did I get in so. limited practice on Wednesday and Thursday. That's yeah. an, that's typically a good sign there. Guys, real quick, I want to talk to you about Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. My friends and I changed over this year and I absolutely love it. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in a football game or number of points in a basketball game. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together, so stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a Sleeper account today and Sleeper will automatically credit your account $100 to get you started. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper.com for details. So now moving on here to the next game that you've got up, Ben, the Seahawks and the Chargers. And this is another one. You got some good offenses here and the Chargers defense has been especially disappointing for me so far this season. I don't feel like they're living up to what they were supposed to be. But then again, this entire Chargers unit not really doing that right now. What are you thinking in this game? Yeah, and that's the thing is, is I uh, preseason Chargers pass defense against the Seahawks passing offense. Holy smokes! And then we've seen the Seahawks passing offense not just succeed, but be relatively matchup proof. Obviously, not the strongest game that they're coming up against the Cardinals, but they did move the football. It's just the inability to get into the end zone, which is worrisome if you're betting a total. And at fifty and a half, I do like the over. You're getting below that key number of fifty-one. No J.C. Jackson. The Chargers are, are, are changing, and they're, they're kind of in upheaval right now on the defense side of the ball. Certainly no uh, Joey Bosa to bring pressure to those rookie tackles who've been playing so well. Still got to deal with Khalil Mack, but this Chargers uh, defense to me is a little bit uh, uh, Swiss cheese. There's some spots in it that we didn't expect there to be. Certainly in the, in the outside receiver game, which is where DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to be at their strongest. On the other side of the ball, the teams that score against the Seahawks are the teams that can run. Uh, and, and we obviously, you know, usually trust that Cardinals running game, but that Cardinals running game is very like college inspired when teams get heavy, with multiple tight ends on the field, they get under center and they run the ball in terms of pro styles. They tend to have success against the Seahawks rushing defense. That wasn't the chargers to start the year, but recently they've been a lot better. They're getting the ball to Austin Eckler more. They're not screwing around as much with like the fullback run wide zone, pretend with the San Francisco 49ers thing. They're running more power. They're actually pulling guys, which is what they're suited to do. So since week three, they've been ninth in rush EPA per play on offense, which we would not have expected given how they looked in the start of the season. They were god-awful. They're taking away the Sony wraps. They've gotten a little bit better on the offensive line. They're calling better plays, and they're running the ball better. So they're going to be able to stay ahead of the sticks, not get stuck in the third and longs that they can't deal with right now, and that's going to, I think, allow them to push the ball down the field. So I like 50 and a half as a total. I think you can get over that with two offenses that can be aggressive, uh, throwing the football downfield when they get their shots, with their one-on-ones, with their big receivers on the outside, but are both also going to be able to run the football and sustain long drives accordingly. You know, Ben, I have I have a follow-up question on this. Hey, so looking at the, the total, in the mm-hmm. look-ahead market, it was 53 and a half, which is right where I have it 
projected right now. I have it at 53.3. So I saw that number. I'm like, yes, I'm a genius. Nailed, like nailed it where yeah, it should yeah. be. I'm the man. <laughs> right. You know, and then it opens the early line on Sunday night is 52. And then it dropped to 51. And then now it's 50 and a half. And I'm like, yeah. okay, like, you know, there's some value here. On the other side, I'm like, you know what? Like the market is telling me something that my like original line might be wrong. You know, like, and, and so my instinct, like I'm with you, like everything you said, I agree with my projection has it there. I think there's value to the over the unders have been hitting more in, in this season, uh, you know, and it's a high total. So like, how do you reconcile the perspective of like the, the game matchup and seeing what's happening on the field with what we've seen in the market since last week? Yeah, so for me, coming from this, like uh, I, I was a football writer, like an analysis before I ever really got into betting. So I never ever came at it from a modeling perspective. So a lot of the times when I'm against line movement, it's typically because there's something I particularly like in the matchup, right? Where I'm like, all right, like, you know, metrics and models, the EPA might not be catching X, Y, and Z. But when I watch the Seahawks offense, when I watch the Chargers defense, whatever it is, I feel like this is going to work well for them. And that's where I'm at with this Chargers running game against what you're going to get from the Seahawks run defense. Yep. This Seahawks defense uh, has been really, really rough to start the year. And then they had this game against the Cardinals, usually one of the highest powered offenses. They're generating turnovers. They changed their front around a little bit. They were running uh, other fronts to start the season. They put out different stuff against the Cardinals and they held them down. It's like, all right, maybe the Seahawks are going to be a little bit more of a low scoring, low total team. But when you get down to brass tacks, I think that the Chargers are, 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 better across the board in terms of offensive personnel. And I don't think the Seahawks are going to keep the changes they ran against the Cardinals against a non-divisional opponent. Because oftentimes you're building bespoke game plans for teams you're going to see twice. You don't do that as much for teams that kind of are just on your schedule on a weekly basis. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks go back to the same old fronts they were running, you know, back to the same old leaky run defense that lets the Chargers stay ahead of the six. And the whole Chargers issue on offense is when they get behind the six because they don't push the ball down the field. They only run routes to the six. It drives film watchers nuts, this Joe Lombardi offense. So if they can run the ball well, the offense is going to work. It's when they fall behind the six that they start losing points and they get put in these fourth down positions. I like the Chargers rush offense a lot. I bought Eckler overs, and that's what gives me a look at the total in this game. I think that makes a ton of sense to me. I like the sound of it as well, but Matt, you know what? I don't really like the sound of length seven points on the road here. Are you going to do that with the Dolphins versus the uh, quarterback to be determined Steelers? Where are you going here? Steelers coming off that big win. Dolphins are at home, right? Correct me if oh. I'm if I'm wrong here. If, yes, if I'm wrong, I would be that would yes. be me wrong. For some reason, yeah. I have uh, I have Dolphins at Steelers on my rundown here. Yeah, That's Dolphins bad. Dolphins at home. Uh, yeah, seven is the number and I, I do like him in the spot. Like I feel, and I would like to get Ben's thoughts on this. Cause like Ben is, as you said, like football writer, much more knowledgeable about like the, the intricacies of the schemes, right? Uh, it's all made up, but yeah. yeah keep well, going. I assure you, you're more knowledgeable than I am. Uh, but you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on Tua in this mm-hmm. spot, because I think what we've seen out of Tua is real this season. Um, and I think if that is the case, this line is really wrong. Um, like, I don't want to say where I had it projected kind of given the assumptions that I had of like, okay, this is the difference between Tua and the backup quarterbacks that we've seen. Cause it is, it was way higher yeah. than minus seven. So there's a very good chance that I'm wrong, but I, th- I think Tua is, um, 
I think he's been underappreciated. So he's coming back, right? He's been cleared. He's practicing fully. Um, man, the Dolphins, they've had a top 10 pass offense this year, and that was with Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson playing most of the past three weeks. Uh, and it's nothing against Bridgewater and Thompson, but they are not Tua, who is number one this year in ESPN uh, QBR, number one in adjusted yards per attempt, and number two in EPA and completion percentage over expectation. Now, granted, that happened in only like three three games and some change, mm -hmm. but you know, just do the head-to-head -head comparison between Tua and Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. 69.6% completion rate for him. 59.4% completion rate for those guys. 9.2 adjusted yards per attempt for Teddy, 6.2. 9.2 to 6.2, that is a massive gap in adjusted yards per attempt. A 7% touchdown rate for Tua, 2.8% touchdown rate for Bridgewater and Thompson. 2.6% interception rate, 3.8% interception rate. And then the sack rate, 5% sack rate uh, for, for Tua, 7.8%. So I think there's a, a pretty big difference between Tua and the guys who are backing him up. And like, sure, you can say what we've seen out of Tua this year has more to do with the scheme, more to do with the head coach, Mike McDaniel, and more to do with the playmakers around him than with any innate talent he has. Well, like, that's fine if that's the perspective that you have, but like, we've still seen him do well versus uh -huh. other guys not do well within that system. And I'll just say like, given everything we know about Tua up to this point, I think we should take his, his outperformance this year at something close to face value. He was the number one quarterback in his recruitment class. He you know, had a come from behind off the bench championship at Alabama against yeah. Georgia as a true freshman, right? He was one of the best college quarterbacks we've ever seen. He was selected number five overall, and he fell that far only because of a catastrophic and career-threatening hip injury, right? And then he had, I would say, understandably, an uneven adjustment period to the NFL in his first two seasons as he recovered from that injury and navigated offensive coordinator incompetence and rollover in Miami. You like, didn't like the three offensive coordinator approach last season? <laughs> right. Did no, that go again? No. <laughs> no. Imagine having more offensive coordinators than number of seasons you've been in the league. That's mm -hmm. that's nearly unfathomable. So like based on all of that information, I think it's fair to say what we've seen out of Tua, like he's probably not the best quarterback in the league, but like the level that he has played at is something that is like within the realm of reality for what we should expect for him moving forward. The Dolphins offense, 27.7 points per game in weeks one through three, 16 points per game in weeks four through six. Like 3-0 against the spread with Tua, 0-3 uh, against the spread in the most three recent, recent weeks. So like, mm -hmm. I'm just, I am very much on the idea that Tua matters more to the spread than what has been baked into the spread at this point. So I think seven is too low. And then last week, the Steelers, they were without four starters in their secondary. Even if all of those guys return this week, they're still not going to be at full health at full health. And of course, you know, you have all pred all pro edge rusher, TJ Watt and, you know, Larry Ogunjobi on the defensive line, who also is uncertain in his health. So I don't know. I know seven is a lot, but man, I just, I, I think that this is a, a line that is is too low 
relative to what we saw out of Tua in this offense in weeks one through three. Yeah, so I was surprised to say Dolphins minus seven. Right? I thought it would be bigger. Uh, as a man who bet Bucks minus eight very heavily and then bet Bucks live lines also heavily, I'm not loving big spreads against the Steelers right now, yeah. but I was surprised to see the size of that line. There's 1.5 things that give me pause. Uh, I think your point about Tua and what he brings to the scheme versus what the scheme, the scheme brings to him is extremely well taken. You said, you know, maybe this is more about the scheme than it is any particular talent that Tua has. That's half true, right? Like, this is a really, really good offense. Mike Daniels is a great designer. Like, this is, you know, this is the offense du jour. This is what people are running. But if you want to run a yak-oriented offense, you better have a really accurate quarterback. And for all of his limits, arm strength-wise, height-wise, the, the ability to play out of structure, especially post-hip injury, all of which have been limiting factors for Tua, he throws an extremely accurate football. Ball placement is so important in yak offenses. If you hit a guy out of stride, still catchable, but it's on the wrong shoulders, out of stride, he's tackled for a 12-yard gain. You hit him in stride, especially when it's Jalen Waddle speed or Tyree Kill speed, we saw that Waddle touchdown against Patriots, gone. That's ball placement. That's why that play worked. And other quarterbacks who've made this offense successful haven't been that accurate. Like, Jimmy is not that accurate. Kirk is not that pinpoint accurate. So Tua brings that, and that helps the offense. What was really impressive about this offense was we thought last year when they were running all the RPO stuff, we were like, yeah, this is what you do with an accurate weak arm quarterback. You run the RPO stuff, he throws the tight windows, and then whatever. They've got him going deep down the field. They're not just going the RPO stuff. They're running the play-action boot stuff, keep guys in to protect. And then two is being accurate 15 yards, 20 yards, 25 yards. And then certainly when he goes to the downfield stuff, it's not super accurate. But that 15 to 20-yard range, throwing with a lot of accuracy, that's yak with 15 yards of dot. That's unbelievable. Nobody else gets that in the league, and they don't get it with Waddle and Hill speed. It's great. The exchange, the cost, and this is what worries me for the Steelers game, is if you're going to run the deep play-action stuff instead of the, the RPO stuff, two has to hold the ball. Tua has to wait in the pocket. And as we've seen through three weeks, Tua has to get hit. And the number one thing to ask about the Dolphins right now is how comfortable are they going to be running the offense they ran with Tua in the first two weeks of the season, given the concussions he's taken? How willing are they going to be to subject him to hits? Because the way they play offense assumes their quarterback's going to be able to take shots. He has to hold on to the ball for a while. They have a bad offensive line. They try to add guys to pass protection, but there's always somebody who's going to leak through. That's the nature of this offense. So that's the one thing that worries me. The point five is... Three weeks, awesome. It's a small sample. And usually about four weeks is where I say, okay, if this can last more than four weeks, I believe in the in in in, in the fact that the film has been seen by defense coordinators and they still haven't answered it. I've only got three weeks of two of them. So I'm curious to see, like Mike Tomlin tends to be really, really good in terms of bespoke game plans. Game plans to stop one certain offense. Very interested to see what this looks like. So I have pause. I'm not taking Dolphins minus seven right now, but it is an island game. And so you may find me taking it a lot, you know, a couple minutes before kickoff. The, the, the big question for me is the hits. If they're not willing to let Tua get hit the way they were a month ago, they can't run the offense they were running a month ago. That's what puts this in jeopardy. Guys, football season is here, and if you want to get in on the action, we recommend heading on over to our friends at BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks is offering up the king of promotions right now. Use the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for a BetMGM account today, and you will get a $1,000 risk-free bet for your first bet. That's right. You get a $1,000 risk-free bet just for using the promo code BETTINGPROS when you sign up for an account with BetMGM. So get in on the action today, guys. Enjoy the football season, and let's cash some tickets together. Now back to the show. Now, how about here the Falcons going up against the Bengals? The Bengals, obviously, that slow start to the season, but 
all of a sudden they've been very much back in gear here. Meanwhile, the Falcons, the only undefeated team against the spread so far this season. And it's really because they keep giving us these touchdown or greater spreads. And it's six and a half in this game here. I, I can, as bad as this offense looks sometimes, I can still trust them to cover these numbers. Why? Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like uh, offense isn't pretty in terms of like efficiency and passing or whatever, but this is a good, cool offense. The way, they, the way the Falcons run offense is a way that very few, if any, teams run even a remotely analogous offense. You're not getting two fullbacks on the field, you know, running pistol, diamond, you know, read option. Nobody else is doing this. And what that means is it forces you to prepare on a week, right? It forces you to prepare in a week for something you haven't really prepped for. Even like the Bengals being in the division with the Ravens and kind of sometimes seeing similar stuff still isn't as analogous because the, the Ravens are run as downhill, as physical, actually, with as big of backs as what the Falcons are doing. And this Bengals run defense has been suspect since losing DJ Reader, their nose tackle, integral to their run defense. They've been bottom 10 in rush EPA per play allowed since losing Reader. And also they now have perhaps lost Logan Wilson, their middle linebacker, who they're kind of like saying is day to day, but also sustained a pretty major injury if you played it would be nuts that's the core of your run defense right there and if the falcons beat you they beat you running the football this is a very very effective running game they're third in the league right now in like total rushing yards they're second over the last three weeks in rushing paper play like this is a trustworthy group so there's that big mismatch there that to me lets this thing hang within a touchdown lets this thing hang within a score the other uh uh, question mark that i have uh, about the Bengals that really brings me into this game is that the Bengals are trying to fix this offense right they kind of had this this issue to go in our center and they run it, it doesn't work. And they go shotgun and they get too high and whatever. And they're trying to run this RPO game. And that's good. It's, it's, it's an okay solution. It's not perfect. It's hard to run RPO against zone blitz defenses because zone blitz defenses change the, change the picture on you post snap. So you're like, all right, I'm going to read this one guy. And then all of a sudden that guy's not there anymore. That's what DMPs does. This is a confusion based defense, which is hard to run the RPO against. So if they try to go RPO, you can see turnovers, you can see mishandled snaps, you can see sacks in the backfield. I think this Bengals offense runs into some issues against the way the Falcons play, especially if AJ Terrell is available to erase Jamar Chase because Terrell is that talented. I like the Falcons plus 6.5. Give me Terrell healthy and I'll take it. Are you following it? Are you following Ben on this one, Matt? Uh, yeah, I have I have this at five point five. So yeah, it, it's six and a half. I do think that there's value going through six, which isn't like a huge key number, but in today's NFL, especially with lower totals, is it's you know key enough. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I do think that there's value in Atlanta. Now, one more game that I want to ask you guys about, Ben. It's on that board there behind you. Chiefs and 49ers here. The Chiefs laying two and a half. I got it when it was three because I thought that this number would go the opposite way. So the market, I missed out on the market here. But what are you thinking in terms of this game? Because I'm seeing people on Twitter. I I get the Vegas values, the Niners. I am very low on the Niners, and I feel like this is one of those games that the Chiefs just roll. I'm looking at some alternate spreads in this one. Yeah, I'm, I love the Niners, and the Niners are a great team. I love the way they play football. I don't think I could name, I could list all of the names they have on the injury report in one breath. Like that, that's that's where we're at right now. Is is I, this look at line was one and a half, and then they got even more banged up on their most recent game against Atlanta, right? Which we saw kind of the way the Atlanta. I was able to run the football on this team because the entire defensive line was in that game. Nick Bosa, Maurice Hurst, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, right? Uh, Samson Ebukam, the Drake Jackson, the USC kid. This, that's just the defensive line. The really, really big thing that concerns me, though, is no Emmanuel Mosley. He's out for the year. Trivarius Ward right now is on the fence. I'm pretty sure he got a limited practice in Thursday, if memory serves. Um, but if you want to beat this Chiefs team right now, you man up on the outside because their wide receiver talent isn't what it used to be. The 
uh, Niners were already weak at corner. If they're bringing Jason Brett back for his first game this season and then running a gimpy Traverius Ward out there, I'm not confident in their ability to man up. Not with Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback. So you're going to try to run your quarter stuff. You're going to try to run what they always do. Just rush with four, generate pressure, and play zone behind. Rush with four against Mahomes sometimes works, but usually you have to have all your stars, and they ain't got none of them right now. The horses aren't there in the bullpen. So this defense is so, so, so good. I love this defense. I love betting on this defense. Not when most of it is missing. It's just, to me, the injury attrition is too much for this to be under I'm feeling good about this game. I bet it earlier at the wrong line, but it is what it is. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I do have this at two and a half, but you know, I know I need to make adjustments as we get more information on the injury reports. And so I always make uh, assumptions when I'm setting my my early projections about who will be injured and who won't be. And, and so I know I'm going to need to adjust that. But one thing I will say that gives me a little bit of encouragement uh, that we do have Jimmy Ward who practiced limitedly on Wednesday. Uh, so his return to the secondary is big. And we have Trent Williams who practiced on a limited basis on Wednesday as well. So if Williams returns, I think that makes a pretty significant difference to the offensive line. So that, you know, gives me a little bit of hope there for the 49ers. But, you know, that said, I have this projected exactly at two and a half right now. And even with some of the adjustments I make, I don't think I'm going to get all that far from that line. I'm I'm always ready to bet against Jimmy G. That's one of my number one core philosophies in sports betting, and I'm I'm happy to do it in this spot, even though I am laying a couple points on the road here. This is this is the Jimmy G spot. Like he's 16 and four for his career as an underdog. Like I I, 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 will will hopefully be talking about we'll hopefully be talking about these more on Tuesday this week, but I'm not putting a lot of stock in that trend. I don't think that that's a big enough sample size for you to really be paying attention to it when you're betting these two teams. Like he hasn't had that long a career, especially as a starter. And also, I just still don't think that this 49ers team is very good. So I'm going to be betting against them there. Okay, Matt. That's that's what it is. And and Tom, look, it's it's that you don't like the 49ers. If Zach Wilson were 16 and four as an underdog yeah, against yeah. the spread, you would love it. You would be like, this guy's <laughs> got that dog in him. We'll see. I still want to see more from Zach to see if he still has that dog in him. But I, I can't – three things in life are certain, Matt. Death, taxes, and Jimmy G game-breaking interceptions. These are the three constants. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So bet the over on his interceptions. I was going to say, yeah. Make it oh, easy. you Fire best prop. believe I am. I bet yeah. it every week. It's a profitable bet, I think. <laughs> or at least turnovers. Jimmy G turnovers. Sometimes he sneaks a fumble in there to shake things up on you. But before we let you go here, Ben – Final question here. We need a survivor team for the week. And my candidate, the team I'm bringing up this week, I'm looking at the Raiders. Uh, I don't really have an interest in laying. I believe it's a touchdown right now for them uh, at home here in Vegas against the Texans. But I, I, I can't bet on the Texans. And I certainly do think that the Raiders are good enough to win this game outright. Both teams coming off their bye week here. Uh, are you taking them or are you giving us another option here? Raiders are a fine one. If you haven't burned the Buccaneers, then this is the spot to play the Buccaneers, which I haven't used them yet, and that's what I'm taking in my survivor pools. Uh, the Panthers had completed one pass beyond the line of scrimmage against the Rams. I know this because I bet on the Panthers, and I did not enjoy watching that game, but in it I became very certain that the Panthers are not winning any football games anytime soon. So if you have the Buccaneers available, still fine. The Raiders, I like. 
the Texans, I have had trouble fading this year. That Jacksonville game will live in my memory for a while. Matt, how about you? Yeah, Raiders uh, are the team that really stuck out to me when I was looking at this. So I, I will go with you and say the Raiders. All right. Well, guys, that is going to do it for us here. Ben, where can people find you and all the great work you're doing around the Internet? I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the Ringers where all the football stuff is, Ringer NFL show. I do gambling every week. Shows. We do that. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Benjamin Solak, and we just do football, and it's a pretty good time. All right. For Ben, Matt, the Oracle, and myself, guys, best of luck this weekend, and let's cash some tickets.